0: I missed it. I missed it. I'm sure uh, I'm sure there's a void in that conversation without my opinion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just missed uh, me saying there's massive voids in conversations about curling if I don't get to weigh in on my opinion. But it's another show, folks. Hi, everybody. It's Jungle Jim Jerome, the great Kevin Martin World Curling Hall of Famer, and the other great Warren Hansen World Curling Hall of Famer, uh, the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame. has your plaques, fellas? The Canadian Curling Hall of Fame as well. Where is the Canadian Curling Hall of Fame, Warren? It's in the cloud. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Good. I'm going to put my name in there. Uh, (laughs) We got another great show. show number 15. We want to thank all our sponsors. Couldn't do it without them. Jackpot City who brings you what is happening around the curling world, Coyote Tractor, the sponsor of Hot Rock Topics. And Goldline, who brings you in the house. And we do have a guest today. Uh, We'll tell you about him in a second because he's waiting. He's knocking on the door. Just hang on a sec. I'll be right there. Uh, This past week, there was a mixed doubles uh, super series in Halifax. Uh, We're going to talk about that. Also, we're going to go over to Perth, Scotland, and check in on there. The Perth Masters has got some of the best teams in Europe. Uh, we talked to you last week about a huge event in Lloydminster. I think it's a hundred grand, uh, the prize money. And there's another Grand Slam next week. The Co-op Canadian Open will get underway in Red Deer. I'm going to check in on that. Uh, also, a release out of the WCF this week that it's increasing the size of its athletes' commission. We're going to talk to Warren about what's an athletes' commission. Okay, we we need to know what that is. Uh, and what it all means. Curling Canada announced a couple of days ago that none of it will not be sending a team to the Scotties. That's got to be music to Hanson's ears. We know what he's been preaching. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, Hot Rock Topics. We'll take a look at a couple of emails. And what are you hearing? Uh, a lively discussion. Over the past several weeks, we talk about Brad Gushaw all the time. He is not shy about weighing in on things. He had a, did an interview with Ted Wyman. And uh, some Facebook posts went up about that. So... Big show. In the house brought to you by Goldline, Goldline Curling's Impact Brooms, maximize performance for carry, hold, and carve. Learn more at goldlinecurling.com. Come on in. Brendan Botcher is our guest this morning. How are you, Botch? Good morning. I'm great. Thanks. And how are you all? I'm good. I didn't have to ask your email. I'm just going out on a limb. That botcher is botch, is it?
1: <laughs> uh, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: uh how's everything? We were just talking off air. You uh you've you've been doing lots, uh including personally, you you moved.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ev- everything's been going well. Um we had a busy, a busy fall season, as did a lot of teams. Um, and kind of in the middle of that. Uh, I moved, so just on the personal side, I was pretty busy as well. Right. No, everything's going great. Had a, a good couple weeks of downtime here over Christmas. Just stayed around Edmonton with uh, friends and family, which was awesome. And now we're getting back to it. You're doing the acreage thing. Why? Well, I'm, I'm giving it a try. Just just have a
0: little bit more space. Speaking of moving, uh, maybe a good idea, Brendan, uh, if you look at the uh, temperatures this week, I sent it to Warren because he loves to laugh at us who live in Edmonton because he's on the coast. Uh, Friday, I think, is minus thirty-nine. Saturday, minus forty, and then it chills right off, Kev, to minus thirty-eight on Sunday. Okay, it just backs way down. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, we we should maybe we should do a bunch of curling events outside. Maybe Lloyd can have the finals uh, out there. Brendan Seven Briars, the twenty twenty-one champ, five slams. Couple last year, uh, you got a powerhouse team: Mark Kennedy, Brett Gallant, and Ben Hebert. How how are you assessing your performance so far for this curling season?
1: Well, you know, I think it's going great. I really feel like last year we put a lot of hard work in. We brought we brought some good curlers together, but I think we made a decision at the front end that to win these days, you just have to be so good that we we were going to have to do things a little bit different, and we weren't going to be able to kind of rest on how each of us had done things in the past. So it felt like uh, for a fair part of last season, we were doing some learning as a group, which I think is important. And it, it's just been awesome. I'd say the second half of last year went, went a little more smoothly, and then we've carried that momentum into this year, and it just feels like we're playing great.
0: Yeah, um, it, it may be a year, maybe a transition year, uh, Brendan, with other teams now starting to nip at your heels. Scotland, for example, I think they had four teams. Uh, did, didn't they make the playoffs? They award? did, yeah. You got four of them. Just what a guy wants wants to have to do when you when you try and compete against, you know, the Cooys and the, and the Gujus and all these other guys. And you go, oh, yeah, by the way, there's uh, right behind you are these other new teams. Is curling in a transition period where there's a bunch of young teams coming up?
1: Oh, absolutely. So I think it's in a bit of a transition period that way, but it's it's certainly in a transition period relative to to Canada's dominance um, at the top level. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's you mentioned four Scottish teams um, at the last slam. There weren't that many more Canadian teams, (laughs) if you can believe that. And and in all honesty, it wouldn't surprise me if in, in years or decades to come that there could be a country that had more uh, slam teams than Canada at, at an event. And I think that comes down to to a lot of things, but the root of it, I guess, is they're just working really hard. I think they've taken good notes on on what we, kind of the success that Canada's had. I think they've invested very heavily in their young athletes, given them really high level coaching from a young age, carried that through um, and kind of helped transition those athletes from juniors into men's. And you see a team like you know Ross White, who uh, you know on paper they're quite young, but they've been around and doing this for a long time already. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ross has been involved in, uh, I believe, an Olympic uh, and certainly a couple World Championship runs with Moet. So the experience is there, even from quite a young age. Um, and it's really not that surprising that they're experiencing some good success.
0: Maybe Brendan, all the teams right now are looking up, going, "Okay, uh, Retornez, everyone's going to eat pasta." And pizza for uh, we got to and drink a red wine between uh, between ends. This guy is just on a heater, Brendan. Incredible display.
1: You know it's it's interesting how it goes in curling. So all all the credit to those guys. They're they're playing really well. There's really nothing else to it. Um, up the lineup, they're making a pile of shots. They've got a lot of confidence right now. They've got a bunch of good energy. That all snowballs, um, and they've had an awesome first half of the season. I I do think in curling, you, you get on these little runs, you know, with my former team, we got on a three slam run. Mm -hmm. And then right when we were done was when Mark uh, joined Brad Jacobs at the time and they went on a three slam run. And then after they were done, I think Bruce Mowat went on a three slam run. And now here we have Retornas going on a three slam run. And I can't really put my finger on what it is, but it feels like you're, you're doing a lot of the same things. And all of a sudden one day just a couple of those half shots go your way and and you get a couple breaks along the way and then you get a pile of confidence with which helps keep the ball moving um but you you know a team like that was uh, set up uh, especially with adding ryan now to the team um they're they're chasing the olympics here in a couple years right so they certainly have a lot of runway um and, you know, from my perspective, it's just great to be able to play against them. I, I really feel like every game we play against them, we're getting better as a team as well. Right. So, you know, I, I'm happy with that challenge.
0: Is he in Lloyd this weekend? Uh, I, I'm assuming you guys are, are you, Brendan? I didn't ask.
1: Yeah, we are. I believe he is. I, I think we're up to maybe eight of the eight or nine of the top 10 teams in the world. They, they did quite an exceptional job both picking the weekend you know, right before a Red Deer slam as well as getting the purse big enough that you know many many of the top teams are coming. Kev, over to you, man.
2: Yeah. Hey, Brendan. Hey, thanks a lot for uh, for coming on, taking the time. I know you got a, a practice scheduled today, so it's, uh, I know we're we're squeezing you in. But you know, you you mentioned something here just a second ago where you're talking about retornas and they're maybe making that extra half shot. Well, we were talking to Renee Saundemberg on the show and and how big of a difference in curling a half a shot makes a half a shot and the difference percentage wise of winning and losing. Do you look into the analytics? I wasn't actually even going to go into this rabbit hole, but you brought it up the (laughs) half shot here or there and the difference it can make.
1: Absolutely. You know, when we're, when we're hunting for that extra half shot or we're hunting for those extra couple percentage points, I think, you know, digging into analytics is can, can help you there. And our team's been working with Renee a fair bit. She's the eye in the sky that gets to see a lot of the big picture type stuff that sometimes when you're in a game, game to game, you don't always notice all of the trends where she's watching enough games from enough different teams, a little bit disconnected from one individual team. So she can kind of see some of those trends and tendencies. And um, I just think it's awesome every time we sit down with her. I mean, she's she's so knowledgeable.
0: So I want
2: to talk to you about uh, the Lloydminster Aztec Challenge. I know you um, you I guess, first, let's talk about your involvement, not just you, not just you, but your whole team. How did, I guess, how did that come about where you guys are sort of the, can I say ambassadors to the event or I'm not just, well, how do you want to state it? Uh,
1: I think that would be a, a fair role. So, you know, Aztec Safety is one of our team sponsors and, and they joined our team last year. And when they joined our team, really, uh, one of their main goals was to bring bring back an elite event uh, back to Lloyd Minster. So to, to replace the event that you probably played in a, a fair number of times, Kevin, um, they, they were driven. Um, so both Jeff and Caitlin over at Aztec safety, that was important to them. I think it was important for the community and they, they spent a year uh, with us kind of setting the table for that, getting all the community support, getting all the sponsorship. Uh, they didn't want to roll anything out too quickly um, and have it not be a success. And I just, you know, couldn't be prouder of them. the, first inaugural, uh, I'll call it, Aztec Safety Challenge is here in a couple of days. And I really think they've laid awesome groundwork for this event to continue uh, long into the future. And I, I just think that's great for all of us to have another big event close to home.
2: Well, let's talk about it a little bit before we bring Warren in. Um, I, I understand, just want to make sure I'm right. I think there's a new arena coming in Lloyd, isn't there? Isn't this kind of all part and parcel? Like, are you getting it going in the curling club this year? Right? And then the intent is to move into the new building. Um, Do you know where that's at as far as the the new arena?
1: I I don't. So I definitely know there was conversation about possibly moving, you know, future um, additions. I'll call it into an arena environment. But I think right now, um, Aztec has really wrapped their arms around the curling club. And in all honesty, they're investing a lot in the infrastructure of the curling club and they've given a lot back to the club. So I would actually, uh, I think the curling club would benefit quite a bit from having the event stay there for a while. In all honesty, I think it would really raise the prestige of that curling club, hopefully invest some good dollars back um, in there and and hopefully raise the profile of curling in Lloyd Minster.
2: You know, one thing Warren and I talk about a lot on, on, you know, on the podcast, but also just when we're phoning each other and and chatting is when you put in a location like, uh, like a Lloyd Minster, which I think is a fantastic location. And you're right. um, The the Wayside Inn all those years ago, Brandon, was the event. And I don't know how many I would have played in a million of them. Always lost in the semi to Rob. Oh, Rob. Geez, I hope you don't get your name wrong. It was Rob Ewan. I think it was Ewan. Rob Ewan. He always beat us in the semi. People go, who's Rob Ewan? Well, he just beat us every year in the semi-final at <laughs> the Wayside Inn for years and years. But but to uh, what Warren and I talk about, is it's a com- it's a curling area, not just Lloyd. Lloyd is certainly a great curling community. But you've got, um, if I can just think of some of the communities around that have curling clubs, Kitscotty, uh, Lashburn, Maidstone, St. Walberg, Chauvin, Wainwright's only a little ways away, uh, Marwain, geez, Paradise Hill, uh, so on, so on, so on. There's so many little clubs within... Oh, geez. 30, 40 minutes. Are you guys doing anything junior wise while you're there? Just because there's so many clubs nearby, there's got to be a lot of curling kids.
1: Absolutely. So um, I think that was something that was uh, very important um, to Aztec safety specifically. So we're actually going up a day early. We're running a junior clinic kind of after practice ice is done tomorrow afternoon which is something we did last year as well. So last year, even though there wasn't an event, we, we went out there, I forget how many kids we hosted, but it was a good number for a a six sheet curling club that that was just awesome. So we had a couple hours on the ice with them. We went upstairs, fed all the kids, did a bit of a hot stove, kind of question and answer session with our team. Um, It was real good community engagement. So we're going to replicate that again tomorrow Um, And we have a couple of the other teams that are coming to the event, actually helping us out uh, with that junior clinic, just to have extra hands so that we could, you know, invite extra kids. And I I agree completely with you that Lloydminster is kind of the, certainly a a heart of curling uh, in Western Canada. Um, And I think that's evident by just the amount of community support. I think once they, once Aztec started pitching, you know, bringing back an elite level event, just the amount of Uh, support from within the community was just exceptional and all the events they have planned uh, for the next couple days it's going to feel like a slam in all honesty Uh, and I think they're just going to do an incredible job
2: that's perfect now I'm going to head out there on the weekend and uh, come and see you guys and awesome I can't say cheer you on but we'll we'll cheer for you as well as everybody else (laughs) fair enough hey
3: (laughs) hey Warren go ahead great thanks for joining us Brendan Kevin talked about analytics. Of course, we had Rennie Sonnenberg on last week, and uh, we understand from what you just said that your your team is involved with this. You've t- chosen to take a path of uh, the victory of blanking a lot of ends, which has got a lot of comments this year. I'm just wondering, how much has analytics had to do with you taking the approach that you are?
1: Uh, you know, in some ways, I think analytics would actually prefer me to score a few more points. <laughs> so I, I'm not necessarily saying that uh, analytics is the basis by which we blank a lot of ends. In in my opinion, anyways, it doesn't feel like we we blank that many ends. And I think in a lot of cases, you could look at a lot of those blank ends, and there were exceptional shots made throughout some of those ends by both teams, and they just ended up as blanks. And I think you see that around an Olympic trials. You see that around an Olympics, all of a sudden the scores come down, the net scores come down and that's because everyone's a little less willing to take some risk. Um, and I think you've seen curling transition in the last handful of years from, uh, kind of a race to score, um, to maybe a race, to play the analytics, play the scoreboard a little bit more because teams are, you know, uh, not willing to take that extra risk when they don't have to, you know, even the five rock rule, I don't think has generated quite as much offense as maybe everyone thought it would.
3: Yeah. That's the, that's the issue, isn't it? How do we have this sport create more offense? I think that's been the challenge now for probably almost 20 years. Do you think we're at the right, right point now, or is there something else that we should be looking at going forward?
1: So I think as an athlete, um, what we have right now is is awesome. It feels like there's a, a good balance of uh, it, if you want to go, there are enough rules that allow you to be offensive where you can, for the most part, drag the other team down that path if you're willing to take a fair bit of risk to do it. Um, I think you're just seeing the top teams not wanting to, to take that risk but because they know they're, they're likely to get burnt by the other top teams. So I'm not sure adding more rules um, will necessarily change that. I, I think you'll still see the top teams wanting to play the scoreboard. Now the analytics will change as the rules change. Um, but uh, it, it's quite engaging for, for me as an athlete to play. I think even a lot of those ends, like I said, that that end up being blanks, by no means have I, am I writing them off by seconds, first, second, seconds, rock. Where There's a lot of good shots made.
3: So you're three teams that are going to be able to avoid the provincial playoffs this year heading to the Briar. Do you feel that uh, what has happened with the adjustments made by Curling Canada is is enough or it's a start in the right direction? What do you feel about the idea of three teams going straight to the Briar without going through provincials?
1: Well, I want to be very clear. I think it's outstanding um, and it's it was done for the right reasons, I think most importantly. So, you know, you look at international teams we talked about return as earlier you know they get to start their season um, and circle the world championship and try and figure out how to play their best at the world championship and they get to schedule their whole season around that goal and you know in Canada we've been we've been fighting for a long time to get through playdowns to get through provincials to get through nationals you end up playing many events with a couple weeks off in the middle um, and the reality of sport, from periodization standpoint is that you simply can't play your best again and again and again and again, you have to periodize, which means taking time for rest and recovery, taking time for practice and training, and then working back up to another peak. And I think that's an advantage that many international teams have at the very start of the season. So I I do think this um, was done with the interest of if, if one of those three teams can win the Briar or the Scotties, they should be better prepared to go to the world championship, which hopefully you know enables a uh, more likely chance to get on the podium, which isn't a given these days.
3: So that's another question that uh, we'll now tackle. And that's the fact of the time between the the Breyer and the world championships is only a couple of weeks. Do you feel that's a factor? Do you feel that time needs to be longer between?
1: Well, I, I think you look at all the countries um, at the world championship and Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Curling Canada would be the last uh, delegation to name their team. Um, So would I, as an athlete, love to have more time? Absolutely. I think the more time, the better. Frankly, I think the teams that know in September they're going to a world championship do have a a tangible advantage. Um, Now, from a business model standpoint of Curling Canada's, um, I can't speak to when Uh, putting the Briar and the Scotties works from a television standpoint. I can't speak to when it works from a sponsorship standpoint, an event standpoint. Um, And there's certainly some logistical challenges around having a national championship at the very start of the season where some teams would have different access to even practice ice than others. Um, So I think there's a lot of considerations Um, just strictly looking at how best could we get teams on the podium at a world championship? Well, absolutely giving them more time in between events would help.
3: Yes, that's a topic uh, for a major discussion for another day. One more thing. Paul Webster is your coach. Um, you're one of the few teams that have a coach that's with you all the time. How does Paul fit into the plans of your team and what exactly sort of dynamic does he bring to you guys?
1: So Paul's Paul's outstanding. Um, to be honest, I can't say, I, I can't say enough good things uh, about him and about what he brings to our team. Um, I'd actually challenge you guys. I, I think you should have him on a show. I think you should ask him some some questions, and you might get some pretty interesting answers out of them. Um, but he he's really the glue that you know, is bringing us all together. I, I think he realized at the front end that he was working with um, a some pretty accomplished curlers today, but b, some curlers that want to do a fair bit of winning tomorrow. And, and to enable that, he's gotta you know pull the best out of each of us. He's got to keep moving the yardsticks. He's got to hold us accountable. He's got to, you know, force some hard conversations, push us out of our comfort zone a little bit. Um, and I think just having him around has been a real steadying force for our team. Um, so I, I really think teams in Canada should, should be taking this approach. I think that teams should be investing in who their coach is over a long a longer term than maybe just bringing them to a, a Briar or a Scotty's. Um, And then a world championship should you win. I I really think a lot of teams these days, especially the international teams, they they have consistent coaching uh, in a practice environment over years. And you really get to grow those relationships together. Um, And that's really how the coach sitting on the bench is adding a lot of value. I've really never been a fan of just picking someone up at the end, putting them on the bench and then expecting them to add a pile of value when you when you go to something big.
3: So you'd say overall that in Canada, we need to do a little more and probably bring some better coaches forward. Would that be your?
1: Oh, absolutely. And it, it's something we have been doing. So I would say at the start of this year, uh, David definitely prioritized coaching. And he's he's made a model for us national teams to have more coaching, more consistent team coaching. And I think that trend will, will continue here in the future which is great. Uh, I think that's some of the kind of fresh thinking that, that he brought from his past approach in Scotland that worked really well. Um, and he's been able to implement that here pretty quick in Curling Canada.
0: Uh, Brandon Botcher, I, like I said at the start of the show, uh, in the start of this interview, you've got, you got a powerhouse team. Uh, one guy who is, a, you know, you're a household name, uh, but another guy on your team has been a household name for many years and, and people sort of smile a lot when you bring up the name Ben Hebert. Kevin's, Kevin's talked about what he's able to talk about with Ben everywhere from, you know, not being shy to outspoken to absolutely hilarious. Uh, He's on your team. What, what's, what separates him, uh, Brendan from other curlers?
1: Ben is awesome. He he's unique. Uh, I think we're, we're all a little unique. (laughs) I, I think we all bring something a little bit different to the team and Ben brings a lot of that energy that you see out there on the ice. But I think when the cameras are off, he he brings a lot of stuff off the ice too that, that you don't talk about. And he brings a lot of stuff in a practice environment and in a team building environment that a lot of guys don't talk about. Um, so, you know, I, I've had an exceptional experience with Ben. I'm really grateful for the opportunity I had to play with both him and Mark. And in all honesty, you know, Watching them and Kevin, it really wasn't that many years ago that I was watching them as kind of my idols in curling. So, you know, having the opportunity to play with some of these guys has just been an awesome experience for me. The Lloyd Minister event is this week,
0: and uh, Brendan, your team's going to be part of it. Um, congratulations on uh, what you've done over curling for the last three, four years, and even and even longer. Seven briars, so that's just around the corner uh, good good luck this weekend, and uh, you know the other thing, Brendan, uh, that makes curling unique over all other high level sports is is how close you guys get to the fans, and this deal that you're doing with junior curling is, is just fantastic. I, I know of no other sport where I can I can get close to to the players themselves. So uh, good good for you for giving back with that, and uh, and and good luck this weekend.
1: Awesome, awesome. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks, Brendan. See you, Brendan. See you guys.
3: Thanks, Brendan.
0: Well, there he goes, the awfully well-spoken Brendan Botcher. He should run for politics, that guy. I, I don't know. I always, I, and not because not he's wishy-washy at all. You know, honest and, uh, and, and s- straight ahead, Kev, right? Brendan. If you had to characterize Brendan Botcher, what would you say, Kevin?
2: Yeah, I think that's a fair statement that, uh, yeah, you, you get to hear what he's thinking, which is which is kind of nice. And, and uh, we've had him on lots right. on the show over the years and always look forward to it. But I loved him talking about coaching because I think that was a big advantage that we had back in the day with Jules Ochar. Because I had the same coach for all 30 years that I played the game at a high level. And um, and it does make a difference throwing to the same person all the time, come back from a road trip and Jules would spot the issues immediately mm-hmm. and work on, on it. And, uh, he was behind the bench in a million games and, um, and, you know, and, and I guess proof of that wasn't so much with the success of our team, but, but he, as soon as I retired, he goes and coaches Brad Guzhu and guess what? Well, Guzhu just won a ton right. after, after Jules joined. So I think Brendan spot on with, uh, us uh, as a Canadian, uh, curling entity having more and more top coaches. I think he's he's bang on with that.
3: It's interesting how that's evolved. I can go back to the late 70s and the 80s when we were trying to introduce coaching to curling and the fight that we had to go through, like this was ridiculous, this is curling, we don't have coaches and coaches were called everything except coach pizza delivery boy and everything else and it's uh it was a struggle pizza and, delivery uh, boy <laughs> oh yeah like it was it was brutal the things that went on back in those days and to get coaches even acknowledged in, in the briar took probably five years so it didn't come easy
0: you know our our show seems to have themes you know they, they seem to roll I think last year the you know if I had to pick something there was there was a lot of talk about rule changes and 10 ends to 8 ends and uh you know, rule changes of the game uh this is the third or fourth show in a row now that one of the one of the topics all the time Kevin is analytics and and it looks like this is a new deal, particularly when you hear Brendan say absolutely on the on the analytics if you were uh kev had an event, if you were going to Lloyd this weekend and you're gonna look at the teams uh say here here's who we're playing against, and you were gonna use analytics. What stat, Kevin, besides the obvious wins and losses, I mean, is always, you know, relevant. What, what stat would you look at first, Kevin, to, to assess a team?
2: Yeah. Well, you'd look at the top, say four or five. That's usually kind of when you look at things, how many teams potentially could win the event, you know, something like that, uh, because of how they're playing at a certain time. There's names that could win the event, but if they're not playing real well, you tend to know that. Right uh, throughout the sport, like Brendan would know right now there's three or four teams that are really curling. Well, I got to watch out for these guys. Okay. And then you look at their teams and go, well, the skip, you know, he, he tends to, and then you have a look at the analytics. Okay. Right now they're drawing in an out turn at 73%, but the intern draws at 91. Ooh, there's a difference right there. There's, there's a weakness. Uh-huh. Okay. Maybe late in the game, we can make use of that. Does it make you change your strategy? No, but keep it in your mind you might have the opportunity to make that person throw something that analytically they're they're having trouble with today. Right. You know, and that's kind of something that can really help uh, uh, coming down the stretch in a big event. Because only, we brought it up talking to Brennan, half a shot. All you need is a half a shot out of one of these people. Right. And, And you can win. And that's not even a miss. They just come up three feet light on a draw. Period, right, and that's enough to win what, the game. What's
0: half a shot, by the way? What? what?
2: Yeah, half a shot would be like, instead of making the perfect freeze to the back of the button, they come up front four. Gotcha. Okay, that's a half miss. It's not much; you only miss them by a little wee bit, two feet. Gotcha. But that's a, that's a half miss, and that can cost you the game.
0: Warren, uh, I'm sure Heck must have poured over analytics and stats back in the day.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, really did hour big after time. Hour. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Warren, you're on. What's happening around the curling world? It's brought to you by Jackpot City. Jackpot City, casino games perfectly made for you. Uh, There was a mixed doubles super series that took place last week, Warren, in Halifax.
3: Yes, the mixed doubles super series continues to roll along. And again, we had some of the best mixed doubles teams in the world were there. Number one in the world, Matsumura and Tanata from Japan. Calvi and Lil from Estonia, number three. Peret Rios from Switzerland, number four. Keone Aoki from Japan, number five. Skaskelen Nedvergotten from Norway, number six. Roing and Braden, also from Norway, number nine. And St. George Asselin from Canada, number 11. Interesting in the end, however, one of the Norwegian teams made it through, Martin Roing and Matthias Braden. But the local team from Halifax, when there were number in it, managed to get into the final with uh, Mary. Mattaden, Driscoll and Adam McAkron taking on the Norwegian twosome. An interesting game. The locals got three in the eighth end to force an extra, and the Norwegians came up with a single point in the extra end to take the 7-6 win. So congratulations to uh, Roning and Braden, one of the best mixed doubles teams in the world.
0: Boy, everyone's coming at, at, at Canada. You know, Brendan, Brendan mentioned these new young teams, but they've been around for a while. Even in mixed doubles now. We can't get a break, Kev.
3: Well, in mixed doubles, there's a number of teams, uh, you know, all those ones I mentioned, they're pretty much dedicated uh, mixed doubles teams with the exception of a couple of people in there. And uh, that's beginning to pay off, I think. If you're going to dedicate your entire year, you're in Europe, to mixed doubles, you're going to get good.
0: Uh, Kev, any thoughts on the event?
2: Ah, uh, well, mixed, uh, I love mixed doubles, and uh, it's gonna be really fun to watch as as we keep going to Warren's point about teams that are are dedicated to mixed doubles uh, because you know we talked about it a couple weeks ago that the money is still in four person curling. So you're not going to get the top four person teams playing mixed doubles just yet because they're busy with four person curling. You know that's that's where the money is. So but they're still top curlers. When do they come over to the mixed doubles? Like that—that's before the Olympic Games, right? That's what
0: I'm watching for. It's really—I love it. I absolutely I think it's—it's it's great. Ke- Kevin, is it—is—is is mixed doubles? I don't know how to say this because I don't want to dismiss mixed doubles, but um, if you You'd hate to make anybody mad, Joe, no, I, don't. I you know, I know, I did that last <laughs> week. Yeah, you got to see the email Warren <laughs> sent me. I made someone mad. Um, <laughs> yeah. If, if Is it something, Kevin, where you start to lose your game in the four-man team and then say, okay, I better look at mixed doubles, or is it a separate I mean, everyone has their own skill. Does that make sense, that question?
2: Uh, I think it kind of does. Um, it's a different skill set, mixed doubles, definitely. The ability that sweeping is a big part of it. You've got to have somebody on that team be very, very strong and be able to sweep from both sides to be able to, you know, be effective Mm -hmm. because you only got two players. It's not, you don't have the sweeping that you have in four person curling. So, and of course that first rock is absolutely Stefania Constantini at the last Olympics kept making that freeze end after end, day after day, and just put so much pressure on the other team. And that's why they have gold medals around their necks. Um, That's very important, but yes, I think when you get close to the Olympics, I don't think it's a matter of the four-person team. If you're struggling, and you go over to mixed doubles. Mm-hmm. I think they're both disciplines that you can win Olympic medals at. So when we get close to the Olympics, all the very best curlers in the world will be trying to do both. That's what. That's my opinion.
0: Uh, the Perth Masters took place in Scotland. All right, boys, yeah. Uh, there was a wee event over in Scotland. Uh, a number of the best European teams were there. Um, Kevin I'm guessing Retornes wasn't there. I think he stuck around here, didn't he, to to play in Lloyd? Uh,
2: and and but it wasn't just Europeans either, uh, Jimmy. There's some Canadians that go over okay. and, and teams from all over the place. But let's talk about the men first. Um, uh, in the semis, you got uh, Kyle Waddle, really good player. Um, actually, beat Ramsfell. Ramsfell is currently ranked nine or ten in the world. Beat them in the quarters, and then uh, had to play Ross White in the semi. Well, Ross White. Playing great, one six to two. On the other in the other semi on the men's side, you got Michael Bruner, a really good team, uh playing against, of course, Bruce Mowat. Right. And Mowat wins six to two. So sets up a not surprising White versus Mowat. tied up going in the extra end. White had the hammer. So White's winning, going in the extra. Bruce Mowat steals. No. Yep. No. Steals the extra, wins 4-3. So that's a big a big win for Mallet because White is sort of taking over. I mean, it's hard to say right. Team White's taking over from Team Mallet in Scotland, but they kind of are. So this was a big, big win for Bruce and company to sort of, you know, take a little bit of that back. Because the perth Mathers, it's a big event and it's been around for a long time in Perth. On the women's side, I was talking about um, the whole international flavor with Canadians involved. Rebecca Morrison, of course, the top uh, ladies team. Uh, in Scotland, playing Jackie Lockhart. Of course, that's a big name in Scotland too. Lockhart actually beat Morrison 7-2 in the semi. Uh, The the All-Canadian semi on the other side, you got Danielle Inglis and Clancy Grandy. Grandy with a 7-4 win with three in the second and three in the fifth. In the final, Grandy uh, all over it with 8-3 win. So Grandy winning over in Perth. Nice. Um, Which is a big deal. Uh, They've been struggling a bit this fall. So that's a big, big win for the Canadian foursome because they had such a good year last couple of years. This year, struggling. So that's a big win.
0: Kev, I think the last Slam you were at was standing room only, wasn't it? We were talking about the great crowd. Uh, the the la- yep. last one you were at. How would you like to be in Scotland, and at an all Scotland final? You <laughs> do you think the crowd be a little revved up? That that might. Be. I think they well,
2: especially with White playing Mowat, Are you yeah, kidding? Yeah, that me?
0: might be worth the pr- yeah. price of admission, man. Yeah. Um,
2: Absolutely. I, I I did not see any pictures of the building. I was not over there, but yes, it would have to be electric. Those two teams and and right now, I, 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 White is sort of taking the the air there in in Scotland. So that was a big big uh, steal in the extra for Mowat.
0: Anything we need to know about the Slam and Red Deer, Kevin? Or it's all all the best are all showing up.
2: Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. Oh yes, 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 yes. Here. I just got a uh, message here. I'm just going to, uh, I just had them, uh, Jimmy, uh, send me some information from red deer. I just wanted to see how things were going. So this is as of, so we tape on Tuesday, just so everybody knows this is Tuesday morning, uh, the ninth when we're talking. So this is from yesterday. Okay. So This is current, current, current draw. Let's see. One to four is Tuesday. Five to eight is Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So Thursday is 9 to uh, 12. So now, starting on draw 13, this is Friday. Yep. Uh, I'm just going to list out the ticket, the percentage of ticket sales. Jimmy, here we go. Starting on Friday morning, 94% of the seats are gone. Next draw 99, 99, 98, 99, 99, 98, 99, 99. How are ticket sales? Holy
0: man. Is that any good? <laughs> wow.
2: Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I'm just going to go this back. It's like here. a revival of curling. Ticket sales continue to be brisk, and uh, most of the weekend standing room are sold. Mm. Uh There are some tickets. So he said there are a few standing room available still. So if you want to come to the slam, it's not 100% sold out. Most of the seats are, but they did open up standing room, and there's a few left. So you can still get in for the weekend here, you guys. As discussed, all seats were sold and standing room tickets were added for the weekend, which have gone quickly. But there's lots of seats available Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, which is pretty standard. People are at work right. during the day and stuff. Sure. But uh, on the weekend, it's looking like fantastic. Uh, so congratulations to Red Deer. Can't wait to get there. That's next week. And uh, yeah, it's a tr- it'll be a nice. tremendous event. Um But, yeah, do you know we talked about Lloydminster being a great center for curling? Well, Red Deer is as well.
0: I used to uh, throw guys in the trunk like we all did when we snuck into the drive-in. Looks like we're going to have to sneak some guys into that event. I'll throw you into my, uh, if I can borrow a (laughs) broom bag of yours, Kev. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) Sneak (laughs) in. Way to go, Red Deer. Congratulations. Uh, Warren, you're up with the WCF announcing this week that it is increasing the size of its athlete commission from six people to 10. Uh, We need need a lesson in what all this is, Warren.
3: Well, let's just go through quickly what an Athletes Commission is at the World Curling level. They have created this organization to act as a link between the the high-performance athletes, the WCF board, the Rules and Competition Committee, as well as the IOC Athletes Commission. It is comprised of people you can run for the board if you have finished in the Top, if you are in the top twenty-five of the world rankings, and in the last five years you have been in the A uh, division of the European uh, Championships, the World Championships, the Pancontinental World Mixed Doubles, World Wheelchair, um, and World Mixed Doubles Qualification event, so you can you can run for the board if you are a high-performance athlete, and in any one of those particular sports, it's an election. And of course, you can also be elected. Anyone who has played at that level in any one of those sports in the last five years are able to vote in that election. It currently has six members on it, and going forward, they've increased that to ten. These are the people who will be involved: two female athletes from women's four-person, two male athletes from men's four-person, two mixed doubles athletes—one male, one female—two from world wheelchair: a male and a female. And two who are ranked inside the top 25 at the end of the season on the world ranking system, one male, one female. Once selected, each member holds a position on the commission for four years. Chair of the commission holds a non-voting position on the WCF board. The current chair is Jill Officer from Canada. Other names of current members of the board that you might recognize would be Tyler George and Benoit Swartz. So they're changing that a bit. It's uh, interesting, this idea of these commissions. Uh, I guess it's a a good idea. I'm not sure how much influence they have. And again, I look at the whole situation of there's a lot of things the World Curling Federation is dealing with that do not involve these high-performance athletes. And so, you know, it's kind of like, again, fitting everybody into the same box. Anyway, it's probably not a bad thing that this is growing. But Kevin, what are your thoughts?
2: I think it's a good thing uh, as well, Warren. It's uh, you know is it sick if you know six people versus ten versus fourteen or whatever the number is? I'm not sure that matters <clears throat> to me that much. Um, but it it shouldn't be confused with the players' association. So, because this is under the World Curling Federation's umbrella. So you would have the opportunity for Jill, which is great. You know, everybody loves Jill officer and to have a chance to stand up at the meeting at the World Curling Federation and and give an idea of the concerns of players. That's a good thing to be able to have that. Uh, it's a little different than a player's association where the players have a certain things that need to be done. And that's uh, across the table, one on one, whereas Jill would be speaking one of many. Uh, at the table to say, you know, this, 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 and this. And then it's a vote, and, and she would have one vote out of all the votes. So um, that's the difference, I think. Uh, is it important that the players have that voice on the World Curling Federation board? Yes. Does that change the fact of a needed players association worldwide? I don't think so. I think you need both. But I'm I'm, I'm really glad to see that the uh, World Curling Federation is... Uh, has that in in uh, in the board, and it's expanding, which gives more players assay. But still, I don't know, it's tough to make the changes when you're only one vote out of a bunch. Whereas if the World Curling Federation president meets the Players Association president as one-on-one to talk about things that need to be done, then the players have obviously a 50% say instead of one of many, if that makes sense to everybody.
0: Uh, if I'm chairing that commission, though, I'm going, hey, 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 hey. I want to vote. I get. I want to get a vote here. <laughs> they don't. I heard you say, Warren. They don't get a vote.
3: They don't get a vote. Scrap
0: that, man. If I'm chairing, I want to vote. Um, Curling Canada, Warren announced this week that none of it has decided to not send a team to the Scotties in February. What's your reaction to that, Warren? And what what do they do with the spot?
3: I guess, uh, I suppose I'm not surprised because there's so few curlers in none of it, and certainly at that level, that they would have difficulty on occasion of fielding a team. So, this goes back to the whole discussion, I guess, uh, as to who should be in the Scotties and the Briar and who shouldn't. Anyway, it is what it is. They've indicated that they're not going to send a team this year. As a result, Curling Canada has made a decision to take another team off the Canadian team ranking system that will be allowed to participate in the Scotties. So, there will still be 18 teams competing there will now be five CTRS teams instead of four, because currently we have Team Canada and three more, and now we're gonna have Team Canada and four more.
0: I'm guessing it would be the next ranked team then, under those, yes, yeah, of course. yes. Uh, Kev, what do you think?
2: Sure, uh, well, uh, it'll make the uh, Scotties a little bit stronger. That's great. Um, uh, hopefully they can get uh, some teams going though, up in uh, Nunavut and uh, be able to bring a team in. Sooner than later, because it's you know it's just not good to not be able to have a uh, a team come in, right? Right. So that you know that'd be a good thing.
0: And if they want to feel at home, they should just come down here this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> at minus a billion. Next, Hot Rock Topics brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, UTVs, ZTRs, and compact construction equipment to do it. Coyote, we dig dirt. Uh, We've got some great emails that we're getting each and every week. Thank you for those. InsideCurling at gmail.com. That's InsideCurling at gmail.com. Hello there. Love your show. My concern is around the rings viewing on Sportsnet television during the playoffs of a game. We only get to see the last few shots of various games. Sadly, we don't see how the end evolved. Show a full end and highlights of the other games. I love watching curling, and I watch a lot of it. I've been playing for 35 years. That's from Vinny uh, Curl Moncton in New Brunswick. We've talked about this before, Warren. You, you always bring up the, the smart point that, you know, you've got television here to worry about.
3: Well, first of all, thanks for the email, Vinny. Vinny's a regular participant in our Facebook group, so he's no stranger to us. I guess there's a number of things to be said. First and foremost, when we look at the slam playoffs, when you go down to the final eight, every one of those games is important because the loser is eliminated. And I can go back in my days of dealing with television, the fact that when you had games on the ice, if there was one game where the loser was eliminated, that was the one that you wanted to cover. So there's four of those games. You can't cover all four of them. So which one are you going to cover fairly? You can't. And so I think around the rings is the best possible way of being able to give all four of those games equal justice And the fact that you're getting the key shots from everyone. I think from a fan's point of view, you're kept in the loop. You know what's happening in all four games continually. So you know who's advancing or who could advance and who isn't. You're not sitting there, hmm, I wonder what's going on in that game or gee, I wish they'd show an update on that. Mm-hmm. So I think it, in a situation with four games on the ice where the loser is gone, it's a, it's a marvelous way of being able to do that. And I might also add, Vinny, it seems to be very popular. I understand that with a lot of our older listeners and viewers, they like it the way it was, the way it used to be. But uh, in the case of everything in sport, things evolve. And I think this is a good move in the right direction from my point of view. And I think Kevin probably echoes those comments. <laughs> That's really well said, Warren. I just wanted to add
2: kind of one direction. So what do young people um, want to watch? how do they how do they want to absorb their favorite sports? So I talked to uh, over the last little bit so some of the young people who watch sports. Um, NBA, uh, talking to some of the younger kids, you know, I just asked well, how many games do you watch? And they looked at me like I got two heads going, well, what do you mean watch a whole game? <laughs> watch whole games, you know, on on social media, they get the highlight pack, right? And uh, also the NFL Red Zone, it's called right. the NFL Red Zone, and what it does, uh, this is right off of what they say it is, it brings you every touchdown from every game every Sunday afternoon. Right. So it's a highlight pack, and that's what the younger people are watching, not like Sean and I watching the whole Bills game the other day. We love watching the whole game. Mm-hmm. Well, they 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 watch. The red zone. They get all the highlights, the, the 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 touchdowns, and 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 that. So it's just a different way of looking at absorbing sports. Can't watch every game on a Sunday, gym. There's right. a million of them, right. but they want to watch all the touchdowns. They want to watch the draws to the button, the double for three, the round the rings coverage. It's kind of a round the rings coverage of football. Mm-hmm. And whereas in curling, um, we've been doing it for quite a while now. We've got the round the rings watching. You don't miss any of the highlights of the Grand Slams uh, quarterfinals and semifinals. So it is becoming very popular. Um, ratings are strong. So I think the, the viewing audience enjoys it. Do they all? No. Right. Some people don't. They want to watch one game from start to finish out of, to Warren's point, four absolutely fantastic games because the Grand Slams are the best of the best. Right. right. So how do you pick one sheet and cover it when you've got Retornas, Guju, Schwaller, right cooey and so on and so on and so on all these botcher and so on with all, all on the ice and mallet and you know what i mean how do you how do you stop right. how do you like you just it's really important to cover them all i think
0: and the expense like Warren always points out it's like okay what you're asking is to have you know six cameras on each sheet of ice you know and that you can just flip-flop back i mean logistically it just you can't do it great discussion great discussion yeah. uh thanks a lot Vinny, for your email that uh, was hot rock topics uh next what are you hearing uh, we're hearing a lot of fans had a number of things to say when we put up a post after last week's show that suggested Brad Guju thought it was time for a shakeup in curling. No kidding, Brad. <laughs> He's always got lots to say. Warren, what's uh what what what's Brad up to?
3: Well, not so much uh maybe what Brad is up to, but the response to this particular posting uh probably set a record for inside curling like we got Thousands and thousands of people uh, viewing this and also making comments about, uh, about the fact that Brad thought it was time to shake things up. When we got into it, a lot of the things that were posted uh, seemed to be a lot of concerns about television, a lot of confusion about television. People feel that they're being shortchanged on coverage. There should be more coverage. There isn't enough coverage. So I'm not sure where that comes from. Maybe because things changed during COVID um, and haven't kind of gone back to where they were. There isn't much difference in the way, amount of coverage that there was uh, prior to COVID to a very large degree. It started in 1995 when Curling Canada introduced the season champions. From that point, I guess in January, there was uh, a couple of events covered, usually the mixed and the seniors, and at the end of January, the juniors, which that's no longer there. But that was replaced by the Canada Cup and Continental Cup, but now they're gone. So we're into a bit of a lag there, I guess, in January and February, just the slam event that's going to be held next week is the only television coverage in that period of time. But other than that, um, certainly I think uh, prior to COVID, the n- amount of coverage on curling w- was increased because of the six slam events and everyone receiving coverage. But people seem to they want the thing covered from the opening day. Well, as I mentioned in the postings, if it was profitable for the network to be televising everything from the starting gun, they would... I'm sure be doing it. And it's, it's a matter of, of dollars because it's a very expensive to produce. Uh, people seem to think that uh, we should have television coverage of every curling game practically played. And I might add that the cost of producing live curling is very, very high for television. Their standards are high. Uh, some can't understand why all these games can't be streamed. Well, this becomes complicated as well because you're into rates issues when you get to these major events. So you just can't go and start streaming things. As well, we're still at the point where network television, to a very large degree, will not accept the standards of streaming, which are fairly low, which we saw that with the Pan-Continental Championship and TSN. We know that the hardcore curling fan will watch anything, but the fringe and occasional viewer will not watch, and to make things profitable and worthwhile, those people have to be attracted to what you're doing. So I guess going forward... um, I'm not sure where all this stuff is going to land in the next few years. I'm sure there's going to be some changes, but I think people need to get uh, content with the television coverage that we're getting and be be thankful that we're getting it. We're still, I think by my calculation, well over 400 hours a year, which is uh, pretty large considering that curling is still an amateur sport. But that seems to be the main concern that people have, um, is the fact of uh, the television coverage. Uh, One person was in there thinking that Canada needs to develop... uh, more events for just canadian teams to play in like the canada cup that we once had is part of the issue with canada and i'm going well Well, yeah i guess you could do that but we had that event and uh it's been dropped so television seems to be the main issue on the mind of the fan when it comes to wanting to blow things up <laughs> kevin <laughs> well i don't know we have a pretty good
2: uh, tv coverage um, with Sportsnet doing the slams uh, world, the, it's
0: the hosts really that are the problem,
2: <laughs> the world, yeah, <laughs> the world, uh, curling Federation, of course, covering the world championships and, uh, lots of games being covered there. So, but yeah, I guess to your point, Warren, um, and we've got the Briar Scotties, of course, that, uh, is really well watched and, um, but I guess, yeah, you, you bring up a good point with juniors, and, and there are a few events that aren't televised. It used to be, so there would be a noticeable void at the end of January after the slam in January and going into February. It is kind of a off-TV time. March and April, though, between the slams and and uh, Scotty's Briar and Worlds is a really busy time for curling on TV. So between t- television and streaming, whichever, you know, whichever way you look at it. Um, so it's an exciting time. Um, I love March and April. It's uh, it's full-on <laughs> curling mode all around the world. So, uh, But will things uh, transition over the next few years? I think so. I think most sports will between uh, linear television and, and streaming and how it all filters into each other because it's going to be kind of interesting going forward here
0: uh so there you go what are we hearing and there we go with the show a nice big bow on there brendan botcher always a hit thank you brendan for coming on and thank you the good listener for tuning in each and every week Uh, i may get down to you going to lloyd kev Maybe, maybe i might i might i might drive out there
2: There, jump in with me, Jimmy.
0: Oh, God, then I'm not going for sure. I'm going to listen to you for for two hours. Forget it. Or you have to listen (laughs) Listen to to me.
2: Listen to Johnny Cash all the way down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Jim, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Uh, Thanks a lot, everyone, for tuning in. Big thank you to Rod Paulson. You you just uh, heard about our record post on Facebook. Well, that's all due to Rod for putting stuff up there and and Warren for responding to a bunch of it. Rod's company is In-House Strategies. If you need some media stuff done, he's the guy to go to. Uh, Check out our Facebook page and our Facebook group. Join it. Why don't you throw something up there and uh, maybe your post or email will end up on our show. Email insidecurling at gmail.com. That's insidecurling at gmail.com. Thanks a lot to Jackpot City, Coyote, and Goal Line who make Inside Curling possible. Uh, Boys, uh, Warren, you know Warren uh, cracking the whip on us, Kevin? Uh, Warren dropped that we may be doing a show on Saturday from Lloyd.
2: Yeah, well, it's certainly a big event and it's almost a, a Grand Slam field. Um, you're you're missing uh, Ramsfell and White, but most of the top teams are there, so uh, it should be a fantastic final weekend.
0: Yep, it uh, will be. I heard Brendan talk about I think there's eight or nine of the top teams in the world who are, are coming into Lloyd, uh, so that'll be good. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, Warren, Uh minus forty. I said at the top of the show. Minus forty here. Well, it's good for you, Jim. It'll keep your head clear. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's what the funny the funny post is if you look on the weather app, folks, okay? And then they lay out the next seven or eight days. I really like Kevin. If you look where it says minus forty, but it's sunny all day long. I said. (laughs) So you can you can actually go outside and see yourself freeze to death good god what are we doing here thanks a lot everyone for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time on inside curling see you warren see you
3: kevin thanks jim thanks jimmy